Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. But you can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. And before I start praying, we're going to pray a prayer again over our pastors, Pastor Cornelius and Pastor Judy and their family, and just continue to stand in faith and uh, believe God. But uh, as you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and pray for them. And also, I want to pray for our nation, the upcoming elections. And I will say this is highly important as Christians that you, you go and you vote and vote your convictions in, in your heart and what is right. Uh, I could add a few things to that, but I won't take the liberty to do that. But uh, be, be in prayer for, for this nation. Because I believe, and this wholeheartedly, I've, I've seen it's just the attack of, of, of the enemy who wants to stop the work. I see it in my, my spirit. He wants to stop the work of the spirit from coming. And, I, and I, God doesn't look at the United States any greater than anything else. But the United States has given a place for the gospel to spread throughout the nations. And it's been a hub for ministry and going out, and I still believe that it is. Even though I know as there's a lot of sin in this nation and everything else, I still believe and know that the church has a heart to do the work of God. Because there's one thing that's stopping Jesus' second return. And that one thing is simply this. This gospel shall be preached into all the world, and then the end shall come. And that's the call and the mandate of the church. That's your mandate. Now, you may not go to different countries or and across the world, but you do have your world. And you can preach the gospel in your world and your circle of your, your influence. And you can do it as, as the anointing, just like the, the, script, I mean, the scripture, the song says, and we're going to get to the scripture as yielding. If you'll yield to the Spirit of God, he'll direct you and show you how to share the gospel. You won't have any doubt. And not only that, the, it's just the lyrics were so good this morning. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I guess that's the first time I heard that song. It jumped out at me. But being yielded. And, uh, but the Lord's been dealing with that, me about that for some time. And I'll go into that in a minute, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come and just assemble together here today and, and to worship you and to, and to honor you and to give you praise and honor and glory. And Lord, we step out of ourselves and step into you and we give you the, the right to come into us and to yield to you. And Lord Jesus... We thank you this that morning that your word is true and you're true to perform your word. And we declare that word this morning over this house, over our pastors, Pastor Cornelius and Pastor Judy and their family, Lord Jesus. We declare the word of healing, that by your stripes they were healed. And we thank you for that healing right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we stand in faith with them 
that they will go forth and do the thing that you've called them to do, and the fruit in their life will not fall from the vine before it's time in the field. And I thank you, Lord, that that includes this church and the, minister, and the people and the ministers of this church. And I thank you for every member of this church, even the least, Lord Jesus. We thank you and thank you that they will perform and do what you've called them to do. Now, Lord, we de declare that over your church in general. Lord, that the enemy has come against your church, but I pray, Lord, that your church would realize and open our eyes, that we would open our eyes and see who we are in you and who you are in us. And, Lord, that we'll take this boldness to be like you are, even as you said we are. In 1 John chapter 4, Lord, you said, as you are, so are we in this world. And, Lord, we declare that by faith. We look to you as we yield to you to manifest yourself in our lives. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for our nation. We pray for the leaders of this nation, Lord Jesus, for the elections coming up. And we pray for righteousness to prevail. Lord, we need, just like many ministers, especially uh, Reverend Graham has said, Lord, we need, we need a move from you. We need a miracle. We need a change. Not only, Lord, in the election, but in the hearts and the lives of the, this, the people of this nation. But, Lord, in order for that to be affected and effective, your church needs to become alive and let the fire, the fire of the Spirit to come out of them, Lord Jesus. Let your church this morning take her place and no longer sit back and yield to unrighteousness, but yield to righteousness. And we give you the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Romans chapter 6, if you'll turn there. Now, I, I may be all over the Bible, but yielded. I want the thing that I want you to get this morning more than anything else is yielding. Yielding to the Spirit of God. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But in Romans... And I had to go back, I, I, you know, I started to use my Bible a little bit, but I may pull my phone out in a minute because I can get two or three translations, but rest assured I'm not, I'm looking at the, the Bible. But in Romans chapter 6, and let's look at verse 13. Let me back up to verse 10 and read down from there. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And I always like to say whenever you see Christ, think about the anointed one and his anointing, our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it and the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members of instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. 
What then shall we what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. And we give you the praise and honor and glory by you've confirmed it, that we need to yield to you. Now I pray, Father, for utterance, that I may make known the mystery of this gospel, this good news, unto you, unto your people. Not my words, but your words. Not my thoughts, but your thoughts. And not my ways, but your ways. For your ways and your thoughts, they are higher than mine. But, Lord, you have given your spirit to us. And you have, that, that has already been given to us by faith, Lord. When we're born again, we receive the spirit. And then, Lord, you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is nothing more than just being immersed in you. And, Lord, I pray this morning that I'll yield to you. I pray, Lord, over this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I bring this up a lot, and you've probably, some of you that have listened to a few teachings I've had or listened to me talk some, I've said this several times. But I'll say that the Lord ministered this back in November of 2015 to me. And in doing that, he brought several, in, a, in the backside of that, he has brought several revelations, which things I knew about, but a re revealing that has just opened my eyes up. And I'm going to share it sh real shortly. But in over November 2015, uh, while I was at work, working, and I forgot exactly what, kind, what the issue I was dealing with. But uh, it was really on my mind, bothering me. And the Lord spoke to me. And as he spoke to me, he said this to me. He said, you need to begin to see as I see. Hear as I hear. And perceive and understand as I understand. Now, to begin with, that kind of took me back because I thought, you mean I can see as you see? Hear as you hear? And perceive as you perceive? And, of course, you know, the answer is in the natural thinking is yes, you can. But when it gets down in your heart to where really you begin to see as Jesus sees. And hear and perceive as he per hears and perceives. And then he said, speak as I speak. Now, I'm not going to get into teaching too much. on. I'm going to cover this somewhat today. But the thing I want you to understand is this. You have everything in you necessary to accomplish everything God put you in this earth at this time in you to do it. And you are more than able to do it. I don't know what challenge that you have before you. If I, in this room right here, there's a number of different things. 
Uh, if you, you may have lost loved ones you're praying for. There may be somebody at work that you're trying to pray for or minister to. But you'll know because it'll be something that the Lord pricks you about or it comes up inside of you to do. You'll know and what he wants you to do. And, and here's the thing. It changes from day to day. I've been in stores before where, and this is years ago, and the Lord said, I want you to pray for that person. And I, and, and I said, do you want me to go up and witness to him? No, just pray for him. Pray for his salvation. And anyway, I, I, I prayed, and, and I asked the Lord, well, why don't you have me do that, Lord? He said this, because he has no one to pray for him. And I don't have a right to work in their life, in a person's life, until I'm invited or asked to. And you know, it kind of opened my eyes up. And, and we think God can just do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to. Well, stop. Did he make you do anything? Did he make you come to church this morning? Now, I, I mean, I'm not saying that. He, he may have convicted you and you obeyed and you stepped out and you came to church. But you could have disobeyed and not come to church. You have a choice to do what he asked you to do. He doesn't make you do anything. God will lead you. In John chapter 10, it says he's the good shepherd. He doesn't, he leads. He's not the good cowboy. He doesn't herd. He's not going to make you go anywhere or do anything. He's going to lead you into the paths of righteousness. For what? For his name's sake. Now, I said that to say this to you. And I'm going to refer to two or three verses here, and you may want to jot them down because they're in the Bible. And I, and I, I you know, I, I, I'd say this to everyone. You make sure that you check what I say according to the Word of God and according to the Spirit of God. You judge the words that I speak by the Spirit of God. We should always do that. Because there, when we know it's a word from God, He'll confirm it in our spirit, and we won't have any doubt whatsoever. But the reason I said that in Ephesians chapter 2, and for the lack of time, I'm not going to go there right now unless the Lord directs me, but it says that he has lifted us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, it's in Ephesians chapter 2. It's not something he's going to do. It's something when you became a child of God, he did. Well, I tell you what, hold your place there in Romans chapter 6. And let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. I mean, yeah, Ephesians chapter 2. And for the, I just want to read, and I'm going to read down from verse 1. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
among whom also you all, excuse me, whom, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, that word means to me, it says, hath made us alive together with Christ or with the anointed one in his anointing. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ or through the anointed one in his anointing. When I, that scripture right there, of course, this lines right up again with, as the Spirit led this morning. But in uh, that verse right there, verse 6, is half raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Now, several years ago, I was teaching a class, and in that class, I had a habit of, of, of pulling out a chair, and the father's sitting, seated here. And then I would pull out another chair, and I'd say, well, the son is seated here. And then, as my habit was, was to pull out another chair to say that we were seated there. And that particular morning, when I did that in that class, the Spirit of God says, no, push that third chair back. And he said something that just completely changed the train of my thought. He said something to me, which later he expounded on. But he said, you're not seated next to me, you're seated in me. I want you to get the importance of how, think about that for a second. You are seated as a born-again Christian. You are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus this morning. You are in him spiritually right now. You are in Christ seated next to the Father. I stop and really just think about that for a second. You are seated with him. Now in that you are, later he said this to me. He said it. I asked about, I said, well, explain this a little bit to me, Lord. I, I need to know more about this. And, and, and it has to do with our thinking. It has to do with our perception, and it has to do with our words. You stop and think about it. But the Lord said this to me. He says, I am your voice in the heavenlies, and you are my voice in the earthlies. Stop, think. Dwell on that a second. You can, you can, you are supposed to be speaking. For the Lord Jesus in this earth. I don't care who you are this morning. This isn't just for our pastors or for elders or for ministers. Well, we are all called to minister. 
We are all called in the church to minister this gospel. But as I began to think on that a second, now let your mind go back to your situation, the situation that you're facing this morning. What are you dealing with? Sickness? Disease? Lost loved ones? An aggravating co-worker? Someone who's giving you hard times at your job or maybe just in life in general? It could be someone that's just rubbing you the wrong way, you know, anywhere. But in that situation, it can, and I'm not making light of this, but if you are facing a, a real problem, and, and the majority of Christians, you know, we are facing problems. If you're living, you're either, you, you have issues that you have to deal with from day to day, from situation to situation. But in every one of those situations that come up, how do you see it? Do you see it to the eyes of the natural? Or do you see it to the eyes of the spirit? Now, I challenge you. As I'm teaching this this morning, preaching, I don't know what you call it. I just do what the Lord tells me to do. But as you meditate, think about this. How do you see things in your life today? How do you see things in your, in your family today? Do you see them from the, your perspective of your limits? Or you, do you see them from God's perspective in his unlimited self? Now, this is the thing that's important about it. You know, we go to the Lord and we pray and we inquire of the Lord. You know, I believe that's one of the songs we were praying, you know, this morning was about inquiring of the Lord or prayer. But you know what? One of the things that I found that is so important, prayer, you know, sometimes we make it so complicated. And there are different forms of prayer, but really, you know what prayer really boils down to? Communion. Conversation. Talking. In other words, I need to be aware that if I'm born again, God is not way up there in heaven. He's right here. He said in his word that he would never leave me nor forsake me, even unto the end of this world. And believe me, even when you mess up royally, he doesn't leave you. He doesn't, he doesn't mess with you or anything else. I remember years ago, one of my, one of my kids, and uh, anyway, it, was, it, it got to be a, an argument. I don't think, have any of y'all ever had any arguments with your children? Amen. Well, this argument got a little heated. So much so that Kathy actually came out to make sure to calm us down. And any, anyway, I remember I had to come to church the next day, and, and that was still bothering me how bad I'd messed up with the argument with him. Because really, I let my temper go, and I didn't keep it in check. And, and to be honest with you, right from the very beginning, the Lord said, just don't say anything. And 
what I do? I started saying something. So I started giving him a piece of my mind, and he didn't want it, and he didn't, he didn't appreciate it, so he started giving me a, it back. So it was back and forth, but thank God it, it stopped before the blows. But I remember coming to church that morning just feeling so messed up that I didn't need to go anywhere because of church, because I had done this, and I had, I had sinned that way and let my flesh get the best of me and started doing something I shouldn't be doing. And, on, and I remember where it was, and I could show you exactly where I turned, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, when are you just going get, get to get, get rid of that guilt? That guilt's not from me. He said, I didn't send you a spirit of guilt, and I'll tell you something else. I knew you were this way when I called you to do what you were called to do. And I knew you were going to mess up. But I've already made provision. And why don't you just pray and ask forgiveness of that sin. Forget about it. Go on. You see, the thing, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll let something like that keep us from serving God. And we'll just stay in that one spot because we look at our limitations. We don't look at God's ability and his forgiveness and what that blood has done. You see, and here's the thing, and this is when God forgave us of our sins, and we find this out in Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 11, he just did not forgive us of our sins, our past sins. He forgave us of our past, present, and future sins. Now, I could prove this in the Word of God, and, that's, and it goes back to the grace of God. You've been forgiven and wiped out. The only sin that will cause anyone to, from not to go to heaven is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. Now, I'll just go ahead and say that because it's, it's, it's. Now, let me say this. If you sin, just like it said in Romans chapter 6, it says, Know ye not what you yield, to, I mean, to whom you yield yourself to obey, you will become servants to obey it. Now, sin... Forgiveness of sin, the Christian has got it, if he's truly saved. But if you're out in habitual sin, you need to question your salvation. I'll just say that. If you're sin, sinning comp- continually and willfully, and, you, and you're doing that, you need, to, you need to go back and you need to question, Lord, did I really get saved? Now, there is a sin of being caught up to. You get caught up in because of, Sin, and like Pastor says, I guess I'm on a rabbit trail here, but it's, I have to say this. If you get caught up in sin, not knowing how to get out of that sin. Now, I'm going to need to watch, make sure I don't go over time, because somebody say I can get long-winded sometimes. But anyway, but coming, coming back to this, seeing from God's perspective, hearing from his perspective. You can do that. Now I'm going to try to get my phone because I have the Bible here. I'm going to come down here if I can. And I just, I, I, I want to stop here just a second and just, just talk about this for just a few minutes. And let's take, for instance, I'm going to use and, and I'm not saying anyone's doing this. I don't know if anyone is doing this, but I've, I've known this to happen. How many of you in here have lost loved ones? Show of hands. You lost people 
someone who's is just really out in the world, any, anything like that whatsoever. Glory to God. Thank you for raising your hands. You know, and, and I say this, you can take the word of God and begin to see God's perspective toward them. Number one is he loves them. He cares about them. And he, their sin doesn't bother him. As a matter of fact, he's already forgiven them. And everything, the blood has already been shed for him, for them. And then you can take and get in faith and begin to pray and believe God for their salvation. But I'm going to say something. How we see things in the spirit versus how we see things in the natural how you see something in the spirit is you meditate in the word of God, what God says in his word. Number one, Acts chapter 16, I believe it is, in verse 31, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Amen. That word is not a maybe in your house. It says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved in your household. I want you to tell you, I tell you one other thing. That extends beyond just your immediate family. Remember when the Bible was referring to Abraham? It was referring to his servants as his house. You can begin to believe for other people you're connected to the same way, just like your house. You see, you can begin to see an individual through the eyes of the Lord Jesus, and he doesn't see their sin. He sees them saved. Amen. But now you're going to have to begin to individually pray for per people and from this perspective. Lord, show me how to see this. Give me the words to pray over them. I pray for your wisdom to speak to me on what scriptures I need to use in accordance with your word. I remember one time, it was dealing with our kids. God gave me Isaiah chapter 49, verse 25 and 26. And I can quote it right now, but the reason why I can quote it is because I read it so many times praying it. It says, it says in there, even the captives of the mighty should be taken away, and the prayer of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with you, and I will save your children, and I will feed them who oppress you with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood as with new wine. And all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your Savior, and your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. See, if you can grab hold, and how you see in the Spirit is directly related to the Word of God. If you will begin to put your eyes on the Word, and but now here's the thing. If you get your eyes over on them, well, look at the, what they're doing. Look at all the things they're into. Lord, I just don't know. I, I really don't know. Now, here's where we have to understand this. Our understanding has to get to a point to realize that in order for God to work in anyone's life, 
He needs somebody's faith to be working or trusting that they'll trust him that he, can do, he will do it. So I don't have to, just like the song says, I don't have to understand it. I just have to believe it. Here's the thing. When you begin to believe, that's when the understanding will come out. But it won't come through your head. It'll come out of your heart. See, understanding in the natural through head knowledge will get you mixed up. You can get head knowledge, but understanding by the Spirit's revelation knowledge. And when you get revelation knowledge, that's from the Spirit of God. And when that word comes from the Spirit, there's no more doubt. You can have a boldness then to take that and make it known and begin to speak that in the face of this other. And then when this other begins to write and you look at it in the natural, yeah, but God said this, and I say what he says, and I declare it over you. When you take the word of truth, you can take and, and create God's will in this earth. That's what he's given the church the power and the responsibility to do. We have the power. And we have the responsibility to act on that word. But now here's the thing. The proportion that it gets accomplished is not up to God. It's up to us. See, the proportion that it works is directly related to what I believe it to work. Now, as a church individual and as a corporate body, in order for God to move, in order for God to do what he's called us to do, when God says something and we know it's a revelation word from him to us, then we need to latch into it. And we don't need to let our flesh or any other flesh stop us from declaring that word and from fulfilling that word that he's called us to do. I don't care about who you are, your past, and your ability. I don't have the ability to be up here before you this morning. If it was not him and I told him this, I said, if I go this morning and you don't go with me, I don't want to come. I don't want to be here this morning because this is, a, this is an awesome responsibility. You know, and Pastor Cornelius does such a great job. He's such a wonderful pastor, and we love him, and I love him. And he's just, it's, I know he's a pastor for this time for our church. Continue to lift him up. But now here's the thing. Just like he's called over this body. You're called. You're called for such a time as this. And you can, you're more than able to fulfill what God has called you to do. Now, but know this. Let's go over to Psalms 78 real quick. I'm going to come back up here to my Bible. Now, this goes back to what I said about limiting. Well, I say limiting. This goes back to what I said about not yielding to the Spirit. Because we can have an opportunity to do this. But in Psalm 78, as I, I don't know if, I can't call it flip it or punch it, I guess. 
At one time I said I never would do this, now I got to where I like to do it. But look at verse number 39. Can anything limit God? That's the next question. You know, I, you think, well, no, nothing can limit God. But here, God, in the sense, he is sovereign, but he is sovereign according to his word and his will. And he's declared a thing in this earth, and what he's declared, he, will not, he won't violate it. He will not make people follow him or yield to them. But he will work with them and give them every opportunity to receive him. He will. But now he has a purpose for everything, and he has a purpose for the nation of Israel. And this, the scripture in Psalm 78 talks about the nation of Israel and how he called them out, and he brought them out, and he delivered them. But it goes down on several of the verses um, right up above that. Excuse me, I looked at it. Did I say songs, um, verse 41? Okay, I need to come back up. Let's look at verse 41. And... Uh, Well, I'm going to read from 39 down. I'm going to start in 38. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, this point I want to make this morning, and as I'm not from the sense of yielding to the Spirit of God, we have to understand this. When God asks us to do something, or he gives us a desire or, or pricks us in our heart to go out and witness, it may be our neighbor, it may be somebody just to pray for someone, that there's a God purpose in it. And then I need to take whatever he says to me seriously, and I need to begin to pray over that. See, that, that comes from a time of spending communion and prayer. Prayer is finding out God's will you know i mean the word of god gives us his will this is god's will right here and he's given us his word and if we know this word then we take this word and it says lord go to and lord in prayer and we begin to pray and as you begin to pray then what will happen inside of that is the lord will begin to minister to you through that word he'll begin to minister and he'll just he'll just tell you okay this is this is it would come up inside of you. It would be like a breath of a fresh air that something will just show you all of a sudden you'll see it. But you won't see it. And here's the thing. 
The word of God is the only thing that connects us to the spirit. You need to understand that. The word of God, God's word, lets us see into the spiritual realm. And it doesn't do it through our, not, our five physical senses. It goes beyond that. This is something, this is only by the Spirit of God confirming his word. And as you choose to believe that word, that word will begin to just get in there to you. But here's the thing. It, once we get that word, we have an enemy. And that enemy is Satan. And he comes to steal, kill and to destroy. But now, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, and he took all of our sin, and, and literally bore all of our sin, all past sin, all future sin of all of humanity, and it was nailed and put on Jesus on the cross of Calvary, but he bore that sin 2,000 years ago. And he defeated that, but how? By the blood of his righteous, his righteous blood. The sacrifice that he made. Now, also, not only that, the scripture tells us that he, after that he suffered on the cross, he descended into the depths of hell. And the scripture show, tells us for three days and three nights he was there. And now, there's... He went into the depths of hell and had to suffer somewhat there, I believe, for my sin. But now here's the thing. He came up victorious out of that grave. But when he bore all of our sins, he bore all of our sickness, he bore all of our sorrows. When he did that, he delivered us and he gave us the power to walk. Here, the nation of Israel didn't have that power. They were mere flesh. You know, there's a scripture, and I believe it's in Mark chapter 7. It's either Mark 7 or Luke 7, but Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. And in there, he says this. He says, among men, there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. But I say unto you, and I may not be quoting it completely verbatim, but I say unto you that a child or in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Do you know why that is? It's because the Spirit of God was given to us by Jesus. After he died, he come up out of the grave, and he brought and gave gifts unto men. And Jesus himself said that I have a desire to set this earth on fire. But he was talking about the fire of the Spirit of God. Coming back to this song this morning. If you will yield yourself to the Spirit of God. And if you will do what he has called you to do. Just simply meditate and yield yourself. Begin to yield yourself to the Word of God then as you yield yourself and you move into this, you can take your place. And you will begin to speak for him in this earth. And you will see your children. And you will see your house uh, saved. The same thing as far as healing is concerned. Believe it in your heart. Speak it with your mouth. 
you continue to believe and stand in the word of truth. You know, I, I can say there's, I, I, want, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to say this, this about faith. I'm talking about believing. But this has, this has a lot to do with it. But in the story of Matthew chapter 17, it's in Matthew 17, where Jesus had been up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and him and his disciples, well, I say his disciples, but several disciples, and they were come down from, they were, and the rest of the disciples were down, but he came off the Mount of Transfiguration and came down, and they had been ministering to the people, and there was this particular man who had a son. And they, his disciples were trying to cast out a demon who was in this, this child's life. But they were not able to do it. So when Jesus came down and his, uh, this, they came to him and asked him, or he said, well, let's go there real quick, okay? I, just a few minutes in closing. But go to uh, Matthew chapter 17, I believe it is. Let's look at verse 14. He says, And when they were come into the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth in the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, and perverse generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I suffer you bring him hither to me you see he wasn't he, were, he wasn't pleased with his disciples but now I want you to stop and think for a minute this morning as children of God you are a disciple are you doing what you should be doing and I, I pose I, it's a tough question yes and it's, it's an awakening question in this hour and this time. But I have to ask myself, am I doing what you want me to do, Lord? Am I successful at what you're doing? And if I'm not, it's not because God doesn't have the power. I don't have the power. Okay? Now, in reference to this, if you back up to Matthew chapter 10... That's when he sent out the disciples and there was 70-something. It was more than just the 12. He sent them out, and he gave them authority over every sickness and disease and over demons. And they came back, and they were, they were rejoicing because even the demons were subject unto their words. So here, the disciples, he wasn't pleased with them. But anyway, let me go ahead with this real quick just to cover it. And, and, and I want, wanted to read it. And Jesus rebuked the devil, in verse 18, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? 
And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth out, but by prayer and fasting. Now verse 21 there is very, I'm going to get to this. But back in verse 20, he was talking about they could not do what God, Jesus had asked them to do because of their unbelief. Now, the very fact, if you go back to John chapter, I'm not, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, and you study this, if you go back and study this, you find out that the demons were subject to them because Jesus had given them power over them. See, they were surprised that that demon, they weren't able to cast him out. But then he tells them why. Now, the next verse, when he says, verse 21, Howbeit this kind goeth out but by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't know, do we have, I don't, you don't have to show a hand if we have any English teachers in here or not. But I know Mrs. Brown, I'm really showing my age, my age back at Huxford Elementary School. But she was very good at this. But if you're an English teacher, you know what is the, what is the context of this verse? you got to ask you, in other words, what's the subject here? What is he talking about? He's talking about unbelief. He's not talking about devils. And I've heard it preached, and a lot of people have, how be it this kind, and they're referring to the devil. But the devil didn't have any power over the word of God. The devil has no power. It was ripped, ripped from him on the cross of Calvary. Jesus defeated him. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. But now here's the thing. If you don't watch it, your unbelief will empower the devil. It will have the opposite, opposite of what your faith is. Now, I know I'm covering subjects that, that has a wide range here, but you have the power inside of you, and you release that power by faith. But there's one thing that will stop that. It's your unbelief. It's your unbelief. Going back to your household being saved. And, and you can believe God for something. But when things don't go just the way that you think that they should go, what do you start believing in your heart? What do you start saying with your mind or your mouth? What do you start thinking? When you're looking to the natural eye, if you look long enough, at the problems and situations in this life, they'll become overwhelming. And a spirit of fear will come on you. And you know what? You can get to a place where you're praying with a spirit of fear and not a spirit of faith. You can get to that place. But in order for you to pray and to believe God, begin to focus on the Word. If you'll focus on Jesus and the Word of God, and keep what He says about your situation in your eyes, in your ears, if you have to keep, you keep speaking it if you have to under your, under your voice. 
You're sitting there and things don't look like they're going to change. And you said, no, yeah, they're going to change, right? In the name of Jesus. Lord, you said the words that they got to. I don't care what this, everybody else says. This has got to happen. You keep on. You keep believing. But I want to share with you about this kind. And that verse right there, and I've heard this, and this, this is such a good teaching, and I can't, but it, it's talking about unbelief. You know, there's, there's basically about, there's probably more, but there's three types of unbelief that you can have. The first one is just being ignorant of something. In other words, if a person just doesn't know the truth of the Word of God, and they've never been exposed to any unbelief or any, other, any, any kind of that word in any way, and then someone comes along and begins to share the truth of that word. You know what will happen with the truth of that word? That word, if they believe it, once they hear it, and they choose to believe it, it has the power to make them free. And there's nothing that's going to stop it. Satan can't stop it. Okay? That's one type, ignorance, just, just being ignorant of something. But the second type of unbelief is, is the type of traditions of men. And you can find out in Mark chapter, I believe it's Mark chapter 7 and verse 13, it talks about, the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. But in that, you, you are taught something. Okay? You're taught, you grew up being taught a certain thing. Now, one of them, and a big one still is, that God doesn't always heal. That's a lie. God always heals. He doesn't withhold his word now, there may be reasons why, and you may not understand them, and I'm sure, I, I, I know, I can tell you, I don't understand all of them. But, the, I can tell you one reason, it's not because God doesn't do his part, and it's not because the word of God's not true. Okay? But you can allow a tradition, in other words, here this is, where you have traditions of men that come against you and say, well, God doesn't always heal. Or, you know, maybe he, God uses sickness to teach you something. That's another one. God doesn't use sickness to teach. He uses his word and the Holy Spirit. Now, he can teach you through something by the word of truth. When something comes against you, don't, you know, don't get me wrong on that, but he doesn't use that. But now, here's the thing about, I'll call it um, disbelief, not really unbelief. In other words, the truth comes and you disbelieve it because you believe a lie. See, that type of believing is hard to get rid of. You know why? Because you first have to, it's like having a blackboard or a chalkboard that's full of notes. And it's something that's written in your mind. In order for you to go up there and write the truth, you first have to erase that untruth. You know, the only way that that's going to come, and I can tell you to this, that's, that will come by, by taking the word of truth, studying that word, and getting it down inside of you. And let, let the Spirit of God. Now, the third one, is I'm going to call, is natural unbelief. Okay? But natural unbelief is when you pray for something, you have faith for something, and something else happens. 
and you were in faith, but something opposite happened. But if you back up to this story right here, you'll find that if you, you won't find it in Matthew's account, but if you go to the other accounts in the gospel, you'll find that when Jesus rebuked that demon, that that little boy fell on the ground, gnashing his teeth, and went into a, a lot of theologians believe it was a seizure. But now what Jesus didn't do, he didn't let that bother him. He didn't let, when they prayed and believed God and what happened bother him, he just kept believing God and cast it out. But what happened with the disciples, when, it, when the reaction happened, it changed. This is a story, and I'll, let me just tell you this story in closing, about Smith Wigglesworth. How that he would go in and do a service, and he would always heal someone at the beginning of the service. In this story, what happens, there were uh, two ladies who had a friend who was elderly who had a, a tumor. And she couldn't get around very well. Matter of fact, if she couldn't walk, she couldn't stand her on her own. But they had heard that if they were the first to the auditorium, first to the stage, that Smith Wigglesworth would always heal someone in the very beginning, and then he'd preach his message. Well, they got there early on the front row, and sure enough, when someone was called, they came, they got to the stage first. Well, Smith Wigglesworth brought them up and they were standing on the stage and they had, the two ladies were standing beside this lady with the tumor. And uh, anyway, she was so, she was, her stomach was so swollen that they thought she was expecting, or you, it looked like she was pregnant, but she wasn't. But uh, he, he, they got him up there and he said, in the name of Jesus, be healed, let her go. And they let her go and boom, she hit the floor on her stomach, and she let out a groan. Anyway, he picked her up. No, he commanded her, you pick, pick her back up. And they picked her back up. And he said, let her go. And they said, no, we're not going to let her go. He said, let her go. And they did again, and she fell down the second time. And another groan came out. And you could hear the audience. It was just a, a silence across the audience. But he said, the third time, pick her up. And they picked her up, and he said, let her go. And they said, we will not let her go. And he said, yeah, let her go. And then someone in the audience spoke up, and he said, you beast. He said, you need stop hurting that woman. And he turned around to the audience and said, I know my business. You mind your business. And he turned back around and commanded them again to let her go. And the third time they let her go, and a tumor fell out on the stage, and she was healed. Now, if that would have been me, I wouldn't have ever even started, probably. But I will tell you a story that happened here years ago, happened right across here before the stage. There was a young lady here one night for prayer, and we were going through praying for them. And I then forgot how I got in front of her to pray for her. I reached out my hand, and I began to pray for her and believe God to heal her. She grabbed my hand, and she began to pull herself out of the wheelchair. Now, I had plenty of power to lift her on up, 
But you know what happened to me? I let her back down because I was afraid of what people would say and what people would think. You know, I've often thought, God, what if I had been obedient and just met that young lady? You see, I didn't grab hold of her and pull her up. I stretched out my hand, but she reached up and she pulled because she was ready. She, in other words, that was a sign to me that she was ready for that word. So I've often wondered about that. Now, I can't turn the clock back and go back and get that situation. But I can learn and I can step forward. I can learn and step forward. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Now, in closing, I don't really want to. And saying this real softly, I'm going to say this. And Sister Sandy, I'm going to ask you to come and the worship team. Now, I may be asking you again and changing something, but, as you, if, but I'd, I'd like for you to sing that song one more time. And I'm going to ask you as a group of people, I'm going to ask you to step out some way. You may not want to come, everybody may not want to gather down here, but if you've, if this message is, and I, listen, this is not something that I'm saying this morning. I hear God's cry. And I, you know what? And this cry today is stand up and become who I have made you to be. You see, this is not, it's not something that God's going to snap his finger and do and make you do it. It's something you have to take a step. And sometimes it's a blind, and I say a blind step. No, it's not a blind step because you know what God tells you to do. Just take that step. But when you take that step, you'll begin to get revelation on the next step to take. And you begin to get direction in your life how to deal with things. See, God wants you to come up. Take your heavenly place. Sit at his right hand and begin to do his work in this earth. And he will become, you will begin to yield to him, and he will become, in other words, your hands will become his hands. Okay? Your vessel will become a carrier of the anointing that will release life, and yes, you can do that. You've been ministered. Every single person here as a believer, you've been called to do that. And you're more than able to do it. But if you have heard this message this morning, not mine, but his, I believe it's important for you to step out and take hold of that and simply yield to it.